Uh, Kristen, I would, I think people could get to know you a little bit. So I know it's kind of impromptu here, but um, do you remember how old you were when you came here and started coming to Crossroads? Nineteen-ish. I was in college. Okay. So okay. Nineteen twenty. Okay. And um, can you tell us your journey about? I mean, you went to school, then you went. Was it Texas, mm -hmm. and then made your way back here? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. Oklahoma. And is this? Can people hear me? Is this? that picking up? Okay. That, okay. Yes. And after that, you can move on into what? Yeah. Oh, you can talk about Matt too if you want to. Okay. You know, your husband. Yeah. Okay. Just. <laughs> um, so started coming here maybe like when I was 19 or 20 um, and I'm from the area and I grew up going to the Methodist Church in Scipio um, and I was already dating Matt when we came here um, but so at that time I was going to the University of Indianapolis um, so I got my bachelor's degree there in psychology and then um, interviewed other places for my master's and doctoral degree but just decided to stay at UND because I liked it there a lot. Um, so I did all of that in Indianapolis. Um, I did that for like eight years, uh, and then you have to do an internship um, to finish your degree, and it's a nationwide match where you just like go wherever they tell you you're going. Um, so I went to Tulsa, Oklahoma for a year um, and did my internship there, and so that was the first year that you like work full-time in the field, um, but just under supervision. So we were in Tulsa for a year, and then I got a postdoc at Riley, so then we came back to Indy and lived there for another year, and then we moved to Columbus. Um, and so then I've been in private practice in Columbus ever since I was done with everything. So it was a long decade, and I paid for the new psychology building there, I'm pretty sure. So, um, but Matt and I got married when I was like 24, so he got to move with me to Tulsa because I was like, I'm not going to move across the country and then you're going to be here. So so we did that, and he's been a good sport and come along for the ride, literally, to wherever in the country. So, thank yeah. You, thank you for sharing yeah. that. So um, is, my, is my PowerPoint working? I'm going to have a PowerPoint, and I'll just tell you when to turn slides. Um, so I am a clinical psychologist, um, and it took a very long time to get the training, so I have that. Um, I don't market myself as a Christian psychologist, um, and I'm actually really intentional about not doing that um, because I think that I, I get people who are more willing to be honest uh, about like being mad at God or just like the stuff that they're going through um, or just people who don't have a faith, they're more willing to come to me. Um, and my program was not one where they were teaching us like Christian counseling, they taught us psychology and then that's just my faith. So, um, but I predominantly work with children and teenagers uh, and then occasionally we'll like see a young adult like if I saw them when they were younger. So um, that's, that's what I do. Um, and I feel like I, I need to put this disclaimer here. So I think you all probably know this, but like this is, it is sound psychological advice and I am licensed um, and all of those things, but this is not therapy and um, I am not your therapist. And this is not like covering all the things that you should know. So if you feel like you're really like dealing with something heavy and you're, wanting more help like this is not the end goal for you and I have resources at the end that I will share about like places that you can go and people that you can talk to um, but this is not like the stopping point for you so. okay so what we're going to talk about tonight uh, is really doing a deep dive about emotions 
So I think I shared this a few weeks ago when I was talking at church about what tonight was going to be. Um, but I have um, always like had an inclination towards like being a little bit anxious and like perfectionistic. Um, but it's been pretty well managed and it served me well and I got a doctorate and it was fine because I was like on top of things. Um, so it's, it's always been like pretty okay. And then we had a pandemic and everybody's life like turned upside down and we have lots of like physical safety concerns and, and our social support is like taken away, all of you recall. Like we feel like we can't see the people that we love and then we're like shamed for doing that and like breaking the rules. Um, and then mental health, like, so everybody's mental health is, like, down the tubes. Um, but then, like, we're there trying to, like, help people cope, and we're trying to cope, too, because we're also going through a pandemic um, and having to switch from, like, seeing people in person to, like, figuring out how to do this virtually. Um, so it was awful for everybody in the world. Um, but as I was going through, I also have a personality that tends to just, like, focus a lot on logic and, like, thinking, like, clearly about things. And so when it was really stressful, I just said, it doesn't matter. Like, you have a job to do, and, like, everybody is going through this pandemic, and you're just going to have to deal with it. Like, you can't do anything about this. So I would just, like, push it away and be like, don't, like, don't worry about that. Don't think about it. And I just, like, kept going for a long time. And I, like, looking back, I can see that, like, I was more irritable than what I would normally be and just, like, more stressed and just, like, especially at home. Like, with Matt, like, he gets the brunt of it because he's my husband. So that's, like, what we all do. Um, so, like, I could see that, um, but I was like, I'm fine. Like, everything is fine. Like, this is just what we're doing right now. Uh, and then I, what I now know is that I started to develop a pinched nerve, which was probably related to stress. But then if you don't know what that is, I, like, I had it in my back, and it started, like, giving me tingling and, like, numb feelings. It would go, like, all the way up like into my jaw and like into my head and it would go down my arm and then I was like oh my gosh like I am having like heart issues and so I also like am a little bit paranoid about my health anyway so this is my own tendency so I like called the doctor and I was like I think there might be something wrong like I don't know and so I'd had a couple phone calls um, and I was at work one day and I just like called the doctor again to make an appointment like I'm gonna go in and just like get it checked out because this does not feel right um, and then I was talking to the nurse on the phone, and they're like, oh, let me check to see if you can wait until tomorrow to come in, like, because this might be an emergency. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, something is really wrong. And so they ended up saying, you can come tomorrow. And then I got off the phone, and, like, 30 seconds later, I felt like I was having a heart attack. And I, like, had this intense, like, pain in my chest, and, like, my legs and my arms are, like, numb. And, and I felt like I was going to pass out. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is it. This is happening. So I, like, found the closest person that I could. And I was like, I think something is wrong. I have to go to the hospital. So they drove me to the hospital where, like, it's, it's so ironic because, like, I'm there as, like, the supervising psychologist or, like, the person who's, like, in charge of this. And I'm going to give you advice. And they drove me. And then I got there. And they were like, I don't think anything is wrong. And then I was like, I think you should check um, because I think there's something. And, like, the doctor was concerned. And so they, like, did the EKGs and, like, all the things. They're like, well, you're fine. So um, that was shocking to me um, because they're like, well, that's a panic attack. And I was like, well, I diagnosed those. So I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. Um, so that, like, just felt shocking to me. Uh, and then I was like, well, I should probably just go back to work and see my clients. And then luckily had enough sense to say, like, maybe you should just take the day off uh, and, like, calm down. So 
I went home that day, and then, like, over the next few days, I started just, like, mentally deteriorating and, like, got, like, incredibly stressed. And, like, if I felt like Matt was, like, irritated with me, like, I would start, like, hyperventilating, crying, like I couldn't handle it. And the idea of going to work, like, made me panic. And so I just started having, like, recurrent panic attacks. And I had never had this before in my whole life. Um, and then I ended up, like, not even being able to work for, like, a couple weeks. Like, when I felt like this had come out of nowhere. Um, and I was afraid to be at home alone. And so, like, one day, like, Matt has to go to work at, like, 4 a.m. because he drives a truck. So it did drive me and my two-year-old to my sister's house in the middle of the night so that I could go and stay with her while he was gone because I didn't feel like I could, like, be safe. And my, just, like, by myself, I was worried something was going to go wrong. So, like, just got, like, really bad, like, really fast. And I had absolutely no idea why. Um, and so I was very frustrated with myself because, like, like I said, like, I'm a psychologist. Like, I know what this is, and I felt like I was fine. And I was not fine. I was clearly on the edge of, like, totally breaking down. So I... I will say I did a good job of like being really fast at getting help. So I immediately got into therapy and I started using medication to like get the edge off so that I could go back to work. Um, and then it took like, I probably did therapy for a couple of months. I kept taking medication for many more months. Um, and it's just taken a long time to feel like I could get back to normal um, because it was just like, it was one day, well, it felt like one day to fall apart and then it's like months to feel like I'm back to normal. Um, so I feel like I've learned a lot about like what I was missing and like what I was not paying attention to. Uh, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. Like all this stuff that like I knew, but like did not actually apply for my life. Um, so also that's a plug for like, if you feel bad, just like get help right away. And we all need it. And like I could have listed you every criterion of like what a panic attack was and like what I was experiencing. And I didn't know, like, when I was having that or, like, that I was getting at risk for it. So, so that's what we're going to go over. Um, you can go ahead to the next slide. So, like I said, we are just, like, deep diving into emotions today because this is really where, like, I was, I was lacking in application. So, like, uh, I usually focus a lot on, like, logical thinking and, like, I'm going to do these things and I'm going to cope and it's going to be fine. And those are great things. And also, God gave us emotions, uh, and he gave us them, like, for a reason. Um, they're really adaptive things. So, like, what we're going to talk about is how we're going to recognize them instead of pushing them away so that they don't result in, like, oh, now I'm panicking, and I didn't, I didn't know I was upset. So every emotion is normal, and, and you will have them all. So some people feel like some emotions are bad or wrong to have, um, like, Anger gets like a really bad rap. It is not bad to feel angry. It is really normal and it is healthy to be able to feel angry about things that are unjust. Um, so these, these are all okay. And we wanna be careful about how we respond to them, um, but they are normal, they are given to us. Um, every emotion has an adaptive side to it, like something that can serve us well. And emotions are there to give us messages. And I think this is like the core of what I was not paying attention to, that like, all of the stress was telling me something. It was trying to say, like, well, you just noticed, like, this is really hard, and I wasn't paying attention to it. So we're going to do a deep dive about, like, each emotion here in a minute, too, and talk about, like, what kind of message it's probably trying to give you. Um, but every emotion comes with something. So now I've learned, like, 
when I notice an emotion, I'm like, why do I feel like this? Like, what is this telling me? Um, and also, emotions aren't everything. So, like, um, emotions are very helpful. They're trying to give us a message, but they don't know the facts. So, we don't make, like, big life decisions based on the fact that we're, like, feeling nervous about it. Um, but we do want to pause and be like, why do I feel so nervous about this? Like, it's telling me something. So, um, and, okay, another thing, we can feel lots of emotions at the same time. And I think, like, this is something that we cognitively know, but, like, really need to pay attention to. So, you might not just feel, like, nervous about something, or you're not just mad about something. Like, maybe you're, like, mad and hurt, or, like, sad, or you feel betrayed, or... Um, Maybe you're nervous about something, but maybe there's, like, excitement with it, too. And usually the times that feel the most overwhelming or the most confusing are the ones where we're like, well, actually, you have, like, six emotions right now. And if we could, like, dig into it a little bit more, then, then we can understand it and cope with it better. Um, another really important thing to know is that absolutely no emotion will last forever. This is something that, like, we have to remind ourselves a lot when we're depressed, especially, that, like, even people with severe depression are not depressed every minute of every day. And we try to help people realize that. They're like, even like when you feel incredibly sad, like there was that moment today when you were like listening to that song and you didn't feel sad. Like notice, like it, it comes and goes. Um, also like anxiety is something that people, including myself, have a tendency to feel like I'm going to feel like this forever. Like there's nothing that I can do to get rid of this. And that's when people get, like, suicidal is when they feel like it's not going to go away. Um, but your body, like, it is physically impossible to stay nervous forever. We're just not made to be able to do that. So, like, worst case scenario, you get really, really scared and you panic and you pass out. And then you wake up and you're calm. So, like, it's okay. It'll go away. Um, but it, it will not kill you and it will not be there forever. It's just impossible. Um, so the healthiest thing to do and preaching to myself here, too, is that, like, whenever we have an emotion, like, we need to acknowledge that it's there, and we need to, like, then be able to, like, process, like, okay, what is this doing? Like, why, what is this telling me? Why do I feel this way? And then we can move on from it. And, like, as I practice this more, I feel like it is shocking that it actually works pretty well. <laughs> so, like, really just, like, asking myself, like, what am I feeling right now? And why does that make sense that I'm feeling this way? And then, like, it just calms down. Um, so we're going to practice stuff with this today, too. Um, if we do not talk about our emotions, they will, like, come out in our body. Like, I think we get this idea that, like, if I don't talk about it, then, like, maybe it will just go away. Uh, and it is really the opposite. So if we can, like, just acknowledge it a little bit, then it, like, moves. Emotions are supposed to flow, kind of, like, waves in and out or, like, People will talk about clouds in the sky coming and going. Um, so they will keep going, but they will do so much better if you will just acknowledge that they're there. Um, and also, there's also a normal physical symptom to each emotion. We're going to talk about that too. But. So these are just basics. And now we're going to go through, like, not every emotion, but several emotions and talk about, like, how this is going to look, how you can tell what that emotion is, and maybe what it's trying to tell you. So you can move on to the next slide. Okay, so we're going to talk about anxiety first. And remember, like, every one of these is a good thing. Like, we need to have these emotions. So anxiety uh, is really meant to be able to keep us safe. So with the example that I use with kids is always, like, if you never felt afraid of things, like, you would walk into the road and get killed because you would get hit by a car. And, like, we need to be able to sense that, like, 
something might not be safe or that certain people are not trustworthy. Like it is a very important thing to feel. Um, I work with some young kids who don't have a sense of fear and it's actually very scary for me because they get hurt really, really easily. Um, so like we need this emotion. So if you notice that you're feeling anxious about something, it's telling you like something might not be right, like take care of yourself. Like it is very much like a protective sort of emotion. So sometimes it comes up and you're not in any danger. And this is why we have to say like, what are the facts here? Like, is this something that I actually need to be afraid of? Or am I just like going into self-protection mode like unnecessarily? Um, but that's what it's trying to do. So like, if you notice it, ask yourself like, what am I afraid is gonna go wrong here? So if you are not, if you're not familiar with like how this feels in your body, learning the physical symptoms of anxiety is gonna be like so helpful for you. Um, sometimes even, even I as a psychologist and even still like I will get upset about something and be like, I don't even know what it is that I'm feeling and I have to like sit and think about it for a minute and be like, what is this? And like sometimes the physical symptoms help me figure it out. So if you are anxious about something, headaches and stomach aches come with that all the time. Um, if you're a chronically anxious person, you might have IBS or like other like GI issues. Um, but I see a lot of kids with that. Like, so if your kid has IBS, um, it might be an anxious kid. So pay attention to it. Um, anxiety can also make you feel lightheaded or dizzy. Um, it can make your heart rate go fast. It can give you heart palpitations, which was another thing that I had and didn't know why. And oh, there. Yeah. Uh, um, so it can also obviously make you feel really shaky. Uh, it can make you really cold or really sweaty, like you could go either way with it. Uh, and it kind of depends on how severely anxious you are about something. Um, but those are the kinds of things that are gonna be happening. Uh, I also have a lot of like chest tension uh, whenever I'm anxious about something and you might feel that a lot too. So pay attention to that. Um, overall, like if we stay anxious like chronically and we don't get help for it, it can cause like the GI issues, but also like blood pressure issues and heart issues. So like attention to it like it's trying to tell you something so okay let's move on to the next one so sadness um, is also really important and I think like we all hate sadness so much and try to like push it away and almost like get afraid of it coming um, and I'm really excited because I'm gonna read us a book about sadness in a little bit but um, it is also really important to be able to feel sad um, it tells us <laughs> sorry tells us that we've lost something important um, and it also like helps us make meaning of things. So like if, if I think about like if I lost a family member and I didn't feel sad about it, like it feels wrong. Like it feels like I don't care. So it's trying to show us like how much we cared about something and like where there are holes for us. Uh, it also helps connect us. Like if, if you've ever had a time like where you're grieving with somebody else and you both feel it together, it is like the most connecting kind of emotion that we can have. Um, it reminds me, if you ever watched the movie Inside Out, has anybody seen Inside Out? Yeah, I really like it. Okay. Um, so like when, when the core memories change and they have all the different colors and they're sad and they're happy, um, I feel like it is like the most meaningful thing that like she realizes in the end that like she needed to be able to feel sad to recognize like how important that the old memories were for her. So um, sadness is, is a good thing. It's good that we are able to feel it, but we just want it to be able to move on, right? So some of the physical symptoms of sadness, it's always lower energy and low motivation. Um, and usually it makes you feel like you just wanna be alone. Um, or just like with maybe like one person that you like trust a lot, um, 
but usually it's just like you tend to isolate yourself with that. Um, crying is obviously a symptom of sadness. Um, it can also give you headaches and stomach aches. Um, it, can, it can change your appetite. It'll either go like really low, which is more common, or sometimes like you just eat all the time. Um, it can, sadness also changes your thoughts, so it makes them more like global and stable and negative. So like your thoughts tend to change from like, I had a bad day to like my whole life is bad and everything is bad. And it's always been bad and it's always going to be bad. Um, so it feels like everything is just like blue or like sucked into like the void. Um, but just notice that like that does not mean that this is all of my reality, but like this is what sadness feels like. And we can tolerate this. We can tolerate any of these emotions um, if we're just not afraid of them or we're acknowledging what they are and what they're trying to tell us. Okay, let's shift um, to anger. Um, anger is also really helpful, especially if we need to, like, defend ourselves or somebody else. But it's telling us, like, this is not right, this is not okay, something is not fair. Um, and it gives us energy. So it's interesting because it can feel like the opposite of sadness, but they could be, like, it could be the same situation. And if you get sad, you go inward and low energy. And if you get mad, like, you push out and you have more um, so just kind of like flip-flopping sides, uh, like to the same situation. So you'll have more energy so that you can like act to defend yourself. Um, you will also usually feel hot. Like it does not usually feel cold. It's like red. Um, and you might be sweating and your heart is usually pounding a lot harder. Um, everything gets tight too. So like it'll be like in your jaw and like your fists and your chest and um, everywhere. Uh, you can also cry when you're mad. It's very common to cry. Uh, and also more headaches and stomach aches. So if you're just having those, like it could really be a whole lot of things. Um, stress in general will cause that. But. And let's talk about happy for a minute too. Um, happiness is also important. Uh, it's telling us when things feel right and when they feel good and like when you need more of something in your life. Um, so it's not a forever feeling and it's not the only good feeling. Um, because all, the, all of them are adaptive. We need all of them. Um, but it's nice to feel happy sometimes. So usually it's a more relaxed feeling where, like, you can just feel your shoulders go down. Um, you will probably be smiling. Um, you might feel, like, a light feeling in your chest. I don't know if any of you ever felt that. Um, or just kind of, like, this, like, flittering sort of energy, like, maybe, like, around, like, your arms or in your stomach. Um, but it's a more fun one. But, but they're, all, they're all good and important. Okay, so let's go to the next one. So this is what, this is what we need to do. This is what I practiced a lot um, whenever I was having so much trouble. Um, so we're going to talk about this is what we do in the moment when we notice our emotions shift, and then we're going to talk about just like a healthy practice in general here in a second. Okay, so every day probably you're going to have a time when you notice your mood shift a little bit. Um, and some of them will be, like, more intense and others will be more mild. But when you notice that, like, something is shifting or you feel that, like, feeling in your body that, like, something is wrong here, like, it's making me upset, the first thing that you need to ask is, like, what emotion is this? Like, what is making me feel like this? Um, so if you can figure out, like, I'm feeling angry, I'm sad, I feel a loss, um, I feel really nervous about this, just, like, saying the word to yourself it is incredibly helpful, and it shouldn't, I feel like it shouldn't be, <laughs> but it really, really is. Um, so we just name what it is, um, figure out, like, why, like, what's the message that it's trying to tell me, um, 
because there's something there. And again, like that's, it doesn't mean that those are all of the facts and that you should like do something specifically because you feel sad about it or mad, um, but pay attention. And then, then try to like validate it. So I don't know, I feel like my language now is like shaped by psychology and I don't know if validating is a normal word or if that's a psychology word, um, but validating means that you're like acknowledging why something makes sense. So um, if you feel sad about something and you can identify well, like, yeah, like I, I miss this person a lot or like I used to be able to do all of this and now I'm alone, then you can just like tell yourself like, okay, it makes sense that you would feel sad about that. Like you care about these people, you care about interactions and relationships and you don't have it right now. Um, and then be like, okay, so now like what are the facts and what am I gonna do about it? Um, because there are like really like important steps to take. So I was thinking of like, how could I like give an example of this in my daily life? So the thing that came up um, for me the most recently is that like, so we're building our house. It's supposed to be finished. It's kind of finished and not really. So we closed on our house three and a half months ago and it is not done. And it's all like inside it's essentially done. Um, but there's like stuff on the outside that they still have to do. And I have to talk to them like every single week to be like, hello, you're building a house for me. Did you recall that like this is not done? So every time I have to do it, like I've been talking to them for like 10, maybe 11 months now. And every week I'm like, oh, what are you doing this one? And like, oh, what do we have left to do? Yeah, these things that I told you last week. So it feels really frustrating. And I've been getting super overwhelmed because I had like taken the lead on this and like, like Matt was not doing very much and I was like, I was communicating because that's the thing that I'm good at. So now like it's just getting more and more stressful because it's still not done and I have a job and I have a child and all the things. So Matt would like ask me like, when's he gonna do this thing? And I got like so mad at him, at Matt, like for asking me when it was gonna be done. I was like, what do you, like, do you think that I know when it's gonna be done? I don't know. Uh, and so like, like, why am I so mad at you? Like for asking me this, like when it's a legitimate question and I would like to know that too. And so I have to like stop and like say like, what am I feeling? Like, why am I so upset about this? And so like, as I sit with it, I'm like, okay, like I am, I'm really angry, but I'm also just like incredibly overwhelmed right now. And I was like, so why, what is this telling me? And I think as I study it a little bit more, I'm like, okay, I am, I'm angry because it should be done and it is not done. Uh, it should have been done a long time ago and I have all these other things in my life. So trying to validate like, why does this make sense that I'm mad about this? So because I have a job and I have a child and I don't have time to do your job for you. Like I hired you to do this um, and it should have been done months ago and it's not and I paid you to do it and it's not. And every time that Matt asks me about it, I kind of felt like I should know the answer. Um, and I should be able to say when it was going to be done, and I couldn't, and then it made me feel like I needed to ask him again, but that felt even more overwhelming. So, like, as I said that to myself, of like, this makes a lot of sense. Like, of course you feel overwhelmed, and it's not his fault that I don't know when it's going to be done. So even just, like, explaining it to myself in my head of, like, why I'm so upset about this, like, makes me less mad at him, <laughs> because I, I understand my reaction. Um, and then I like fight with him less often about it because they, I get it. So that's like that's sort of the point of what I'm talking about. Like you don't have to write it down in a journal, but you certainly could if you wanted to. Um, but you just need to pay attention and like actually like give yourself 30 seconds to like what is this feeling 
and like why is it here and why does it make sense? So that was, this was another thing that I realized like this was my downfall during COVID that I did not do. So I had hard emotions uh, and I would feel really stressed when I was at home or at work or wanting to see my family and I couldn't. And then I would just say, it doesn't matter, everybody's going through this. Like, and I just pushed it and I kept going. And I think really like the, the only difference that I could have done that would have been really helpful is just to say like, this is really hard. Like I feel really stressed about this, I miss them. And I, and I feel sad about this and I feel scared because I don't know what this is. And I don't know how long it's gonna last. And uh, of course, of course I'm scared about it. Um, and then I just like breathe and be like, okay, well, keep going. Like, that's all you can do. But, but doing that for 30 seconds was actually like incredibly helpful. And this is what I try to do now. And I'm not having panic attacks. So, so it's like moving in the right direction. Okay, so then let's go on to the next one. So this was another thing that I did. I feel like I, I don't feel the need to do this one as much anymore because I feel healthier. Um, but I, when I was, uh -huh, whenever I was really panicking, like, like multiple times a week, and I was just like trying to cope with it, I would do this uh, at least a few times a week, and I would like go home, and I would wait until like Grant was in bed, and I just had some alone time, and I would lay on the couch, and I would just like close my eyes and breathe, and be like, what do I feel right now? Because I'd also gotten to the point. This is really interesting that like. I couldn't really feel much of anything. Um, and I would like go through the day and not really be aware of like a single emotion that I was having and just kind of felt numb. Um, didn't really notice feeling happy very often. I didn't feel sad, but I just didn't really feel anything. Um, so I would just like go and lay and be like, there's a feeling, like what is it? And I would like wait and try to like notice what it was. And I would be like trying to notice my body. That's why I was like laying and closing my eyes. Like there's something here, like what do I feel? And then like I could identify the emotion that it was. Um, and the key here is that like you want to be like calm and, and breathing because breathing is a cue to your body to stay calm. So it's part of your nervous system that like you start breathing really shallow and fast whenever you're in um, the sympathetic nervous system. It's like trying to keep you safe. And then the parasympathetic nervous system makes you breathe deeper and steadier and slower. And then it tells you like you're safe now. So it helps you handle like really strong emotions. So if you're doing this and like, you know like you're grieving or you're like going through something terrible and like something really strong is gonna come up, like breathing is the most important thing that you could do through it. So I would just breathe and I would be like, what do I feel today? Like there's something here. And I would just like notice my body and I would name the feelings in my head and, and just say like, why might that be there? And just try to figure it out. And then I would just be like, okay, that makes sense. And I would. I would let myself feel it on purpose. Um, and it, it was really shocking to me, and it shouldn't be because I'm a psychologist, but I would like feel it for like two minutes, and I would breathe and just be like, I'm just gonna be sad. I'm just gonna breathe and be sad and think about all the reasons why I have to be sad, and then it would just like go away. And um, it's so interesting, but there's a lot of research behind it. They're like, oh, you feel your feelings, and then they move on like they're supposed to. Uh, so I would just go one by one through them, I'd be like, okay, like this is why I feel sad, and I would pay attention, and it would subside, and then I'd go on to like anxiety, like why do I feel anxious today, and that was usually the main one that I had, um, and then it's also really helpful to end on a more positive emotion, um, so it doesn't have to be happy, but there's, we're almost always feeling more than one thing at a time, like I was saying, so 
even if you feel really sad or really nervous, there's something inside of you that is calm. Or like something inside of you that feels grateful about something. Um, and if you can tap into like calm or grateful, I think that's a lot easier than happy. Um, sometimes there is happy, and when you have it, like great, use that one. Um, but if you don't, there's like something calm. So um, then you end with that one. You breathe in like what part of me feels calm right now? And then it's so interesting too because you'll notice like your body changing as you go between emotions. Um, so it's really, really helpful. Um, and then if you're just like having a tough week, I would just really recommend like doing this. Uh, it helped me immensely. So what we're going to do is try to do this on our, not on our own, on our own together right now. Um, so let's, let's just sit for a minute. Like try to get comfortable in your seat. If you feel like um, you're like going through a lot right now and you have an emotion that's going to be like super strong, then maybe this is not a good time to tap into that one. Um, you might want to wait until you're at home. But also know that like no emotion is going to hurt you. Uh, you can handle all of them. So this is also a practice in trying to teach yourself like I can feel this and I will feel it on purpose and it will go away. Um, so that is really healthy too. So what we're going to do is we're all going to close our eyes and we'll take like 20 seconds and just breathe steadily and then I'll lead you through next steps. Okay, now try to focus um, on what you might be feeling right now. So if you already know the emotion, um, then you can just say it to yourself. And if you don't, um, try to notice what your body is doing. If it feels like tight or relaxed, um, notice how your chest feels because it's usually a good indicator, how your stomach is feeling. And try to think of a word of one emotion that you're having right now. Okay, once you have that emotion, think about all the reasons why you have to feel that right now and just let it be there and don't try to push it down. Just like welcome that feeling. So you're thinking about all the reasons that you have to feel this way. Maybe think about why that makes sense. And keep breathing. Now we're going to go through your body and start like noticing how your head feels with this emotion. So you might have a headache uh, or it might feel like tight or tense uh, or it might feel really relaxed. And just breathe and notice it and you don't have to try to change it. Notice how your chest feels when you have this emotion. Notice how your stomach feels and just keep breathing through it without trying to change it. Notice how your arms are feeling. Keep remembering, this is how it feels when I have this emotion. And notice how your legs feel and your feet.
And just keep breathing for a minute. And let yourself just feel whatever it is. And remember that you can handle it. do this one quickly for the sake of time but now notice if there's anything within you that feels calm right now or anything that feels grateful and think about why and just take a second um, and let yourself keep breathing and just be calm That was very fast, so it's kind of hard to do, but I don't know if any of you felt like you could like tap into anything. Um, but this is what I did, um, and it was super helpful for me. So you might need to take more time, um, but I just kind of like went through my body and just like let myself feel it, and I breathed, and I would move on. Um, okay, so let's shift to the next thing. I just wanted to read you this book that I really, really love, and it's about sadness. Um, and it's a kid's book, but it's, I think it is so meaningful. It's so simple, but like, I think it's beautiful, especially when we keep in mind all the stuff that we just talked about. So I'm going to read it to you. Um, and then if you ever want to look it up for yourself, it's by Eva Elland, but it's called When Sadness is at Your Door. And if you could see, like, I know you can see some of the illustrations there, or like, you can look at this book later, but like the people... Like, they're so droopy and simple, and I just really love it. <laughs> and sadness is like this big blue blob, which feels perfect. Sometimes sadness arrives unexpectedly. It follows you around. And it sits so close to you that you can hardly breathe. You can try to hide it. but it feels like you've become sadness yourself. And then he's like encompassed in sadness here. And everybody else around him is happy. I don't know if you noticed. Try not to be afraid of sadness. Give it a name. And then he says hello to it. Listen to it. Ask where it comes from and what it needs. If you don't understand each other, just sit together and be quiet for a while. Find something that you both enjoy, like drawing listening to music, or drinking hot chocolate. Maybe sadness doesn't like to stay inside. Try letting it out sometimes. Go for a walk through the trees, and you can listen to their sounds together. Maybe all it wants to know is that it's welcome. And to sleep knowing that it's not alone. And then, like, sadness is the blanket here. Really like. When you wake up, it might be gone. Don't worry, today's a new day. 
and then it shows it like dancing with sadness. But I think it's just so meaningful that like that we don't have to like push it away or be afraid of it or like pretend like it's not there. Like you could just say like, oh, hi, sadness, like you're back today. And then it'll go away again. But like you can you can just accept that it's there. Um, and then I feel like it, it does go away faster. Um, but I just really love it. And it came, my book came with like a little postcard and I love it and I like gave it to a client. So one day I was like reading this book when I was talking about sadness with a little girl and she's like in elementary school and I read it and I really love it. And I said, what did you think about that book? Or I said like, did you like that one? And she was like, not really. And I was like, okay, well, I really like it. <laughs> but I just feel like it's very meaningful. So anyway. Um, but that's, I think that's the point, like, like, that we just let them be there and just acknowledge them, and then we're just healthier. So. Um, the last thing that I wanted to go over with you is about, like, how we can apply this to children. I know probably a lot of you are parents or you have, like, grandchildren or friends who have children, um, and I work primarily with children, so I just wanted to, like, go over that part quickly. And then if we have any questions, we'll, we can answer those at the end. Um, so... Basically, like, we want to talk to kids about emotions um, because that's how they learn. So children are born with zero emotion knowledge. Like, this is all a skill that we learn, and we learn it by watching the adults around us. So however we model for them that we're handling emotions and we're talking about them, like, that's what they do, and that's what they think is normal. Um, so whenever your child is upset, I would say, like, we really need to practice just asking them how they feel. Um, we can so often see like a child who's throwing a fit and just view that as a behavior problem that we need to just curb and really like it's a human being with an emotion that like they have not learned how to label and certainly like they have no idea how to handle it like we don't know how to handle it either so like they have nothing so we just say like how do you feel right now um and like that's that's a start so if we can help them identify what it is sometimes they know and sometimes if they're really young they don't and so, like, with Grant, like, he's still three years old, and he's getting pretty good at it, but, like, um, if he's upset, then I'll just say, like, you seem really sad right now, or, like, you're really disappointed, you're really mad. Uh, and then, like, he's like, yes, yes, I am. Um, so we want to validate their emotions the way that we're trying to do our own. We're, we want to do all the same things for them that we're trying to do for ourselves. Um, so, like, the example that I think of all the time is, like, so, like, if I'm trying to get Grant into his car seat, like, we were leaving his cousin's house, um, and he used to go there for childcare every day, and now our childcare is different, and he just gets to see them every few weeks. And so we were leaving a visit, and he's, like, doing, like, the stiff thing, like, where I can't get him in the seat, and I just want to shove him in the seat. And then I was like, Kristen, like, your child psychologist, like, yes, help, help. So then I said, you are really disappointed. You had a really fun time today, and you miss them. You don't get to see them very often anymore. And then he just kind of, <laughs> and it's like pitiful and like, and important. And, and he just like deflated. Um, and then I'm like getting him in the seat while I'm like continuing. And um, I was like, you, you really miss them. Like we used to play with them all the time. Um, and then I'm trying to offer a suggestion here because he has no idea what to do with it. And I just said like, I miss them too. You know what, like we should have them over to our house soon. Um, and then like, then he's okay. And it's just shocking how well that works too. <laughs> or I'm just like, you could just acknowledge how they feel. And like, they're just a human being and they don't know what to do. And then he just like calms down. And I feel like we have so many fewer intense meltdowns. Like, I mean, he still has them, right? But like, we label how he's feeling and then we can move on. Um, and I hope that he will be a lot healthier because we're trying to do that. So 
every child, I think. We just, instead of just like, I'm in charge and you're not, and if you're throwing a fit, you're a problem, just like, you have an emotion here and you don't know what this is. So we just tell you what it is. Um, and the most important thing is that we have to stay calm when they can't, and that is so hard uh, and is so important um, because, like, they learn from us. So, like, I can't have an adult temper tantrum while he's having his. Like, I have to be in charge and, like, but in charge in a calm way and, like, a way that's, like, teaching him instead of just getting angry at him because he's angry at me. Right. So um, one last slide about this. Um, so we want to talk about their emotions, and we also want to label our own in front of them. So, like, when I am, like, really angry at him, I would just say, like, I am really frustrated, and I'm going to go take a break in my room, and I'm going to calm down. And, like, just, like, saying that is, like, he's going to learn over time, like, oh, like, when you're mad, you go take a break. Um, and, and that is really healthy for all of us to, like, get away, and then you can come back and you can handle it better. Um, we also read a lot of books about emotions, like this sadness book um, and lots of other ones that maybe children enjoy more, even though it's great. Um, so, like, read about them. We talk about how the character feels, like, oh, how do you think that they felt? Why? Why were they so upset? Um, and then we could talk about, like, did they handle that in a way that was okay or not okay? Um, and just, like, chatting about the characters, because that's always easier to apply it to somebody else. And then we could apply it to someone in their real life that they actually know, and be like, oh, remember when our cousin felt like that? Yeah. And, and then we can be like, do you think you've ever felt like that? Or do you remember earlier today when, when you were screaming? Maybe you felt like <laughs> And try to like, so we go from like book to this other person that we know to like maybe you felt like that. And then I'll say like, I feel like that. And I'll like give examples. Um, the last thing is that kids often act out their emotions while they're playing with things. And sometimes it like freaks people out and it doesn't need to freak you out because it's very normal. Um, and especially, like, if they are showing, like, really big emotions or their, like, characters are, like, really angry at each other um, or if they've, like, gone through something. Like, if somebody has died and they're, like, playing it out, um, that, that's very normal and healthy and we should let them do that. Um, or, like, any kind of trauma that they might have experienced, like, let them play it out. Um, if they're doing something that's, like, really not a good coping skill, like, if they're, like, punching everybody, then maybe, like, if you're another character, then you could be like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Like, I, I could do this instead. Um, and you could, like, give a suggestion. But I would say don't, like, stop the play and correct them and be like, don't hit them. Um, I would just, like, calmly, like, suggest something else. Um, but then, like, let them play it out. So. so those are all the things that I wanted to talk about tonight. Um, the last thing is just on the last couple of slides, I have some resources that are listed, and they'll be on there next week, too. Um, but these are just some places that offer therapy in some of the surrounding towns. Um, you could call any of these places. I don't know. Some of them have wait lists, and some of them wouldn't. So you could call any of those. Thank you. Um, and I also listed some books on the next one. Um, so the first book that I listed is called It's Not Always Depression. And it's the book that I used the most when I was panicking and I needed to like practice this stuff where I was like sitting with my feelings. Um, it's pretty heavy, heavy like jargony, I guess is the right word. Um, but I really enjoyed it and it helped me a lot. And then the second one, Get Out of Your Mind and Into Your Life. Um, I haven't read that one personally, but it's based on like a style of therapy um, that I think is really, really helpful and is like emotion minded. Um, and the last two books are kid books. Um, that can be really helpful for teaching them about emotions. So, um, so that's 
everything for tonight. And then just a quick note about next week, I'm going to talk about, like, if you're having a panic attack, like, in the moment, how you can calm yourself down, and over time, how to make sure that your panic attacks aren't getting worse. Um, we'll talk about intrusive thoughts that you might have, and then what to do if you or somebody you love is suicidal. So um, it will probably be a heavy night, but I think a really important one. Um, but I think this was a good intro, hopefully, to that. Um, does anybody have any questions or comments or anything before we wrap up? Yes. I think it could maybe depend. So, like, if I was going to dig into it further, like, my first question would be, like, why can't we validate it? Because I feel like usually I can. Uh, I was just going to say, can you repeat mm -hmm. questions? Uh, yes, yeah. So the question is, like, what, what if you can't validate your feeling? So I think, I think that the vast majority of the time, I think there's something that makes sense about it. So I would say, like, if you can't find it, then I would try to get help. Um, and it could be, like, a best friend or like um, a parent or or a therapist if you have one but I bet there's like something that that makes sense about why you would be feeling that way and it doesn't mean that like all the facts match it but that like there's maybe something based on like something you've gone through in the past um, that would be bringing it up for you again and that might honestly be the biggest one that like if it doesn't make sense for now like think about when you were younger and like what would have happened that would have made you expect this kind of reaction from somebody, and so now that's the emotion you have. Because um, I feel like it's almost always, there's always something, like some kind of reason why it would be there. But, but yeah, I would say get help uh, from somebody that you trust. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I think, oh, sorry, question. <laughs> Uh, the question is, is it possible to have a default emotion? I think yes. And most people that I talk to, I think their default is like, the jargony word is like, euthymic. <laughs> but it means like, fine. Like, just like, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> say it. Oh, yeah. Oh. Sorry, I couldn't hear very well. Um, but I think that's most people's default. I think, but that is an emotion. Um, some people's default is like, more severe, like one way or another. Like some people are always like super happy and I'm just like, calm down. But <laughs> that feels like a lot to me. Um, but some people are always just like a little bit more melancholy. Um, some people are more anxious by default. But I think that like if it's to the point that it feels like problematic and like that's your normal, then that's something that like we could work on and like get it back closer to the middle. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the question is like, how do you tell the difference between like something that's a physical problem and something that's just an emotional problem? And I think the answer is it's very hard to tell. And so I think I, if you feel like it's like a heart attack, like where I was like, okay, like I should call the doctor because if this is a physical problem, like this could kill me. So I feel like if we're like there, then I would call the medical doctor. And then what happens is like we go through uh, all of the frustrating process, and then they say, like, there's nothing that we can find. But then, like, that makes you more anxious the whole time that you're going through that, and you're like, well, what if they can't find it, and it's really something, and I've got cancer, and, like, that's where my mind goes. Um, so I think if we're going to assume, like, the mental health side first, like, if you can kind of think, like, so what are all the physical symptoms I'm having right now, 
And like, so if this would match up with like anxiety potentially, like what would I have to be anxious about? And like, as you start thinking about it, like can you list things that you would be anxious about? And like, is it making you feel something as you even like think about what might make you anxious? And like, if you start feeling stuff like as you're bringing up the reasons why you might feel anxious, then I would say like that's probably it. And so then we would lean more into the mental health side and like doing these exercises like where I laid down and I just tried to feel them, like that was huge for me. And that we also know like all of the, the general coping skills of like mindfulness and yoga and doing things that we enjoy and like that is super helpful too. Um, but I think it depends on the person with like what like what part of mental health is causing a problem and like for me it was that I'm pretending I don't have emotions and so like I needed this thing like I needed to just like feel them on purpose and for for some people they're like acutely aware of their emotions and that's all they're concentrating on and maybe those people need to just go take a walk or like go spend time with friends um, but I would say like if it's not if it wouldn't be like an urgent medical need then I would look on the mental health side first and just like list out all my symptoms and like what would this correspond with and go from there. I think that prayer is an action and not an emotion. Is that, is that what you, are you asking if I think it's an emotion? Okay, I would say I don't think it's an emotion. Um, I think it's an action. Um, so I think that like we pray for all kinds of reasons and like emotional reasons. Like if we feel loss or like sadness or anxiety or anger or whatever, but I think that prayer is a response to an emotion, um, and I don't think it's actually labeling how you feel. But that might be a, like a real psychologist-y answer. I don't know. Do you have any, any more you want to add to that, like about what you mean? Or? Oh, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. So I think this is another tricky one, or maybe like Pastor Tracy could take that one, but I think, I think there's something different between like feeling like spiritual activity and like feeling God. I think that it's not an emotion that you feel. I think it's maybe, I would just say that's just God. Um, I think, I don't know. Do you have a better answer to that? <laughs> I, I think that's a good answer. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I agree with you. I, I think mm -hmm. Darlene mentioned that. She'd never felt that before. She heard all of her lives, you know, I felt your prayers. But in the situation she went through, she said, I really felt that. But I think, mm -hmm. I believe you're feeling the presence of God, or maybe the effects of prayer, but I wouldn't label that an emotion, yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe with it comes like relief, that might be sure. like something that you feel with it, or like a sense of calm with it, or, yeah. It could trigger yeah. an emotion, like you said, yeah, calm, yeah. Mm -hmm. or peace, or mm -hmm. hope, or. Yeah, so yeah, I think I would agree with like, it could trigger things, but if you feel prayer, I think you're feeling maybe God, and not, not an emotion. It's all fascinating conversations, though, that, like, you figure out as we go. But, uh, uh, any other thoughts or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think when we can't recognize it, we're like, this feels wrong. I feel unsafe here. I should probably leave. And then, like, oh, like, but really has nothing to do with here and everything to do with maybe what had happened to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You have to be able to identify it. That's what it made me think of when you said, like, what if you can't validate it? I feel like there's probably something, like something that makes sense about it. You may, yeah. you may not realize what it is because your brain mm -hmm. recognizes yeah. situation. Yeah. There's a famous book about trauma called The Body Keeps the Score. And I feel like that title is, like, very true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
Yeah, I think it's a great idea to ask for God's wisdom. And it's something that, like, I can forget about. I don't know if anybody else forgets about it, but I'm like, oh, yeah, like, you're here and you know more than I do. And, like, yeah, you can tell me. But I think that's a great idea because we don't know. And he does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I am not a trauma therapist, so I don't know as much about it as, like, maybe what somebody else would usually, like, within mental health, like, people specialize in different things because mental health is just as broad as physical health, really. So, like, the idea of, like, one person knowing all the things about everything is too difficult. But um, so some of the the best, like, evidence-based therapies for trauma, like, some of them are called, like, um, trauma-focused CBT is one where, like, you would go through and talk about, like, these are, like, well, you talk about safety, like, what happened to you, like, you give it a name, um, so you can, uh, can understand what it is and how you could potentially, like, try to keep yourself from, like, that happening again, like, who are the safe people, and um, you talk about the thoughts that are coming up because of it and, like, why that makes sense, um, labeling your emotions with it and, like, trying to figure out ways that you can cope, um, and especially, like, if you're having something significant, like, panic or, um, like, sometimes people with trauma will, like, dissociate and feel like they're, like, outside of their body. So, like, they can teach you, like, specific things to handle that in the moment. Um, and then you work up towards, like, telling your story with your therapist. So, um, it you only do it when you're ready, but you work your way up to, like, going through and, like, writing it out with your therapist of, like, this is the thing that happened. This was before and during and after. And you practice reading it together and, like, coping with hearing it so that you can take the fear out of it and you can be able to, like, think about it more easily and talk about it. Um, and then you do practice with, like, okay, so, like, I associate these kinds of places with something scary, but I know that I'm safe. So then you practice, like, going back into the, the places that are safe but just remind you of trauma. Um, so that's the one that I use and that I'm the most familiar with. Um, there's also something called EMDR, and I am less familiar with it. Um, not a huge fan of it. Um, you know, they do like rapid eye movements like back and forth. Well, well, I think that they like show you pictures of things that have like been traumatizing for you. Um, and there's a lot of evidence to suggest like talking about and looking at like things that were upsetting to get used to it. But I don't know what the eye thing is. <laughs> and I think that uh, within psychology, we already have enough confusion and people thinking that we're really weird and scary. So I don't want to make them like move their eyes because um, I'm not sure what the, that the research really has anything to say about that. Um, so those are the two that I think of first. Um, but yeah, that's, I guess that's how I would answer that quickly. But yeah. I'm going to spend half an hour on that um, next Wednesday. So come back for that one. And if somebody is actively suicidal, um, you could come and talk to me right now, um, or you could um, call a suicide hotline, I would recommend, or 911 if we needed to, um, if you don't feel like you could wait until next Wednesday to hear that information. Um, but I will talk about that at length, yeah. Because it's just, there's so much <laughs> to know and to be able to talk about, but it's super important because we don't talk about it enough. But, um, okay. Thank you so much for coming. Appreciate it.